0: Hello everyone, this is Jan Scruggs. I'm the founder of the Vietnam Veterans Memorial in the mall in Washington, DC. I'm here to tell you a little bit about the history of that memorial. There was a considerable amount of controversy uh, with some people who were very seriously uh, offended by it and who wanted this memorial to be uh, much more traditional. So uh, the Vietnam Veterans Memorial, as you probably know, uh, it is one of the most popular monuments in the entire world. Five and a half million people have come to see the Vietnam Veterans Memorial. Uh, it is an extraordinary memorial, but it almost was never built. But it was built because of Tom Schull, and now Tom Schull is here. He's going to tell us, give us the background of, of the Vietnam Veterans Memorial, how you were sort of dragged into it. You were an Army captain at the time, so the floor is yours.
1: Well, thank you, Jan. Well, uh, first and foremost, it was <clears throat> one of the honors of my life just to do my small part to support you and the vision you had for, uh, as a soldier, that was our bond. You know, I so felt your passion and, uh, respected your desire to, to properly acknowledge those who had given their last full measure of devotion in the Vietnam War. And as a Vietnam era veteran, I, I so appreciated what, uh, what your mission was and what your vision was to, to bring to fruition full acknowledgement of those sacrifices. And so I, I just was honored to be part of the, part of the, the journey with you. Uh, it, uh, it started for me as a White House fellow, I did get to know Jack Wheeler who became uh, a teammate with you uh, and again, supported your mission as the founder and became chairman of the Vietnam Veterans uh, Memorial Fund. Uh, working with you, so I initially got to know Jack, and then through Jack, I, we were uh, we were introduced, and it was uh, I'll never forget the day that I had a chance to meet you, and how uh, how it impacted my life uh, really forever because of your sense of duty, commitment, passion to acknowledge Vietnam veterans who had served in Vietnam, but especially those who had uh, not survived the war. So. Back in December of 1981, this goes back a bit, I was a young captain uh, on the White House staff working for Jim Baker, then chief of staff for the White House and his deputy, Dick Darman. Uh, they had uh, asked me to, to, to get involved. I went to them and said, I'd met you and Jack Wheeler and wanted to get involved as a project, uh, as part of my White House fellowship and they fully supported They said, that's a great idea. We want you to keep us informed. We support the Vietnam Memorial, but it's complicated politically. Um, in the sense that, uh, as you, as everyone recalls, uh, vice president Bush had run against president Reagan and they, uh, they teamed together to win the white house in 1980. And I came in shortly after that, uh, in, uh, the summer of 81 as a white house fellow, but they teamed together and, uh, Vice President Bush was very concerned about making sure that the controversy did not impact the White House and, and not so much for him personally, but really more for President Reagan, who was just a great, uh, as everyone knows, a great American. remember the first time I met him, had a time to chat with him, and I said, sir, you have no idea what you've done to bring honor back to those who serve in uniform, and he said, you know what? He was like a grandfather to me back then. I mean, he was such a wonderful, you could just sense it, his sense of uh, character and, and, uh, you know, a desire to serve the nation, serve all Americans. But he said, you know, if there's one thing I can accomplish as president, it would be if every single uh, person in uniform feels proud again to serve because the Vietnam War really, uh, really impacted the honor of service to the nation. And I was just, I, all I could say was, sir, that's just amazing. And, you know, I'll certainly do my small part to uh, to make sure that uh, that we, we can bring to fruition your desire to really acknowledge those who served in, and not acknowledge those who had sacrificed in Vietnam. He was very sensitive to that. Uh, as you may recall, he was in World War II. He was in public affairs, but really understood the sacrifices of those who served in World War II in particular. His generation. But rate, anyway, so I did get involved. I then was asked to attend meetings uh, by by uh by you and Jack, and I attended a number of meetings involving um both sides. I mean, we had Ross Perot and Jim Webb and uh Admiral Stockdale. There were a number of real luminaries on one side opposed to the memorial. And then of course, on the other side, as you well know, were uh a lot of soldiers like General Price, General Westmoreland, General Davison, all supporting your vision. And so many more had sacrificed in the Army than the Navy and even the Marine Corps. So it was an odd uh an odd debate because we should have all been on the same side. And it all came down to the selection of Myelin's design and the fact that they didn't think it was a proper edifice, uh, you know, for those who had particularly those who had uh, served and not survived the war. And I, it was just not understood that it had to be a landscape design and that it, it it couldn't restrict the line of sight from the Lincoln Memorial to the Washington Monument, all the things that you know so well, Jan, that put put you in a position where you, you know, there are certain elements that you couldn't introduce that you might say with an Iwo Jima design. And so I, I got involved and it became apparent that there are ways we could we could, uh, you know, have a compromise solution, and you were supporting that with the idea of ultimately Rick Hart's statue supporting those who had survived the war, and then the the uh, introduction of the flagpole. But the important uh, the important thing at the time was to really achieve the groundbreaking, uh, making sure the groundbreaking went forward, uh, especially with these. Uh, new elements in in mind and there were three agencies or organizations that had to support the National Capital Planning Commission and you and Jack had already pretty well secured their support so it came down to the Fine Arts Commission and Department of Interior. Jay Carter Brown who ran the Fine Arts Commission was very supportive he understood very a brilliant guy and also very astute when it came to art and understanding design work and that sort of thing so he understood Immediately, that the flagpole and the the statue honoring those who had served, but, but were able to return home, we're not going to take away from the original design. But you also saw the vision that you did. You saw from day one, which is what an amazing way to heal the nation. Have this uh, beautiful monument there for uh, all to come visit and feel a sense of peace, a sense of healing, a sense of uh, bringing us all back together again after a very, very difficult war for literally decades. So Jay Carter Brown, I quickly, I had lunch with him and he quickly approved the the uh, the memorial. And it was just interesting because even though I was just a White House fellow because I worked for the chief of staff, I had access I never imagined I would have as a young captain. So I was able to have a lunch with, with Jay Carter Brown and then uh, he quickly wrote a letter. We got the letter secured. I. I sent it over to you and Jack. And then the holdout at that point was the secretary of the interior. This is again, to secure the approvals for groundbreaking so that the the project could go forward and we could begin the healing process with the building of the memorial. So uh, I just happened to Stance had gotten to know uh, Bill Horn who was deputy undersecretary to Secretary Watt on another project involving the transfer of a computer over to the visitor center, which was under uh, Bill Horns and a fellow named Jack Fishes under their uh, control, if you will, there was, they, were, uh, they had the assignment to run the, the visitor center and more broadly, the uh, the park service, which involved them all. So they they were really the ones that we needed to secure the approvals for, for the, for the permit so I'd gotten to know Jack Fish and Bill Horn with this uh, computer that we had cl- cleaned up. Uh, it had classified information on it. We got it cleaned up, transferred it over to the Department of uh, Interior. And they were elated because they got a computer worth at the time, I think $50 million for nothing, basically. Wow. And that was all approved by Jim Baker. He said, oh yeah, we should definitely preserve this asset. Let's just make sure it's cleansed of any uh, of any classified information, which we did. And that became the basis of, by the way, the the first computer that they really had ever had of any significance for the visitor center to track visitors to the White House, an important security element to that as well. So, Jack uh, uh, Jack Fish was all in to support this, as was Bill Horn. And so I said, Bill, we need to secure your boss's approval, Secretary Watt. Secretary Watt uh, had uh, become known for the person. Uh, Cabinet member who had called called the Beach Boys communists. So this was he was a little bit on thin ice, and I kind of knew this. I wasn't uh, that nuanced as it related to politics back then. I'm still not. I'm a little bit tone deaf when it comes to politics. Politics, but I certainly understood that he was not in a position to be to have his legacy be stopping the groundbreaking in the Vietnam Memorial. So we and we chatted. If you recall, we chatted about this with Jack and with others with Bob Dubeck, and we knew that we we had some leverage with Secretary Watts. So anyway, I called Bill and Bill said, well, the secretary's, the brown breakings Monday, we've got to get the final approval from Secretary of Interior. He said, Secretary Watts in Denver, he's actually giving a speech, but I'll try to reach him. And he was able to reach him in Denver. And he he basically said that he was the final approval that we needed and that the White House really wanted to get this done. Now I knew that the White House wanted to get it done, but I, I, I didn't have unlimited authority. But when you say the White House wants to get things done, people do tend to to react to that. And that was the that was the truth. I knew I was on very solid footing, even though securing his final approval was not something they had specifically said. Now, go out and get it done. I just knew that in order to allow for the or provide for the opportunity to get the groundbreaking to occur on Monday, I needed to secure that commitment the Friday before. So Secretary Watt gave the go ahead. Then I called uh, Bill Horn, and he and I also called Jack Fish, even though Jack Fish worked for Bill Horn. I knew I was running out of time, and I said, "Can you issue the permit?" And by that time, you and and Jack had already ensured that Bob Dubeck was down in the office waiting to get the permit because we knew we were running out of time. This is Friday afternoon already. You know, literally, uh, Washington was going to shut down very, very soon. Uh, you know, with it being a Friday afternoon. And so uh, the permit was released to Bob Dubeck and we had victory in sight. And then I, I get a call from him and he says, you had, I, we just got 26 phone calls from congressmen. What's going on? They're opposed to this. I didn't understand all this. I said, Bill, I briefed you on everything that there are those who oppose the design, but the groundbreaking has to occur now because we've come this far, this is a beautiful design. This is going to do all the things we talked about in terms of healing the nation, and this is securing, uh, thanks to to Jan uh, as founder, securing uh, a rightful acknowledgement, recognition of those who gave their last full measure of devotion, gave their lives for our country. And so he he said, well, well, you know, what are, what are my options at this point? And we'd gotten to be good friends, so I I didn't want to just say he had no options. So I said, well, about the only thing I can think of. Uh, which I don't think is a good idea, is you could get a judge to try to uh, issue an injunction, order the groundbreaking to stop, and it wouldn't occur on Monday, then we'd have to regroup. And, and I think we would have lost our opportunity to get this done, in my view. And certainly that's Jan Scruggs's view and Jack Wheeler's view. So we need to get this done now because it could be held back for years. And there might be a very different design, might be a very different sense of healing the nation and, and we know that this is gonna accomplish what we need to do. And so uh, he didn't call a, a judge uh, at all. I mean, he said, you're right, I, I I hear you. And so groundbreaking occurred that very next Monday morning. And so there, there you have it. That's kind of this, the behind the scenes story of what happened. I was blessed to work with you because you gave me full reign to get it done. And uh, you know, that's what it takes sometimes. You have to trust people that you work with who have the the uh, wherewithal to to accomplish things, and so it's a lot about the trust you you placed in me, the trust that uh, that Jim Baker, who later became Secretary of Treasury and of course Secretary of State, placed in me. So I felt honored to be able to just do my small part to uh, to secure the approvals we really needed to get it to get it done.
0: Well, I think uh, that's an excellent. Summary of where we were and the the things that were going on and to show the sophistication of the people who were trying to stop this memorial from getting built. The fact that 20 plus congressmen called the secretary of the interior basically within minutes of each other shows that these people really knew how to play politics. So we were up against uh, some highly intelligent inside Washington kind of people and uh, Thanks to you, uh, we were able to outmaneuver them, and uh, we are forever grateful. And uh, I was telling you recently the story of a friend of mine who recently became extremely uh, wealthy, and you pointed out that one of the great joys in life is is how much money you can give away. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your job at A-Fees, what A-Fees is, and how a fees and you are able to give a lot of money to help military veterans and uh, active duty military.
1: Well, Thank you, Jen. I, well, first of all, it was a, an honor to be able to come back to serve. I'm the first civilian to serve in the capacity of CEO of, of, of the Army and Air Force Exchange Service. It was a general officer who served before me. So I, I managed to leave the service as a major and come back as a general the equivalent of a general officer, which uh, Kind of a little bit, not quite like Churchill, but Winston Churchill left the military, uh, almost not in disgrace, but he really opposed a lot of things that were going on in the in the British Army when he left as a major and came back as Prime Minister. So I, not that I could compare myself with Winston Churchill, but there are moments in life where rare opportunities. This was sort of the second rare opportunity that I had. First with the memorial, and then being able to come back and serve. And I just, uh, you know, you know, thought and prayed a lot about. What I could do. And so when I joined the military again as a civilian, I dedicated uh, my journey to serving warfighters and their families. So if I could always just look at everything I did in the light of the shareholders, the shareholders being, uh, you know, folks like you that served because now the benefit, we've provided the benefit for all veterans uh, uh, to, to shop online, for example but to honor all all types of service. We expanded the benefit for disabled veterans. So all disabled veterans now can shop in the brick and mortar stores on the basis, even if they didn't complete a full career. We we, uh, have doubled down our efforts to support great uh, efforts like the Army Emergency Relief, which provides zero interest loans to soldiers and the Air Force uh, aid society again zero interest loans during this time during the pandemic and they, we've provided three of almost three million dollars to support those efforts we support uh, army navy athletics we support air force or air force athletics all about supporting future leaders so that they can go and um, serve but the the even the most uh, compelling things that we do have to do with Supporting child development centers, supporting combat uniforms at cost so they they don't have to overpay for their uniforms. Yeah. You know, all the things that we do to support what we call, as you know, quality of life for warfighters and their families. So anytime we get an opportunity to do that within you know our legal uh, constraints, we jump at it. And we've returned uh, in the years that I've been there now, almost uh, uh, nine years we've returned $1.6 billion of non-appropriated funds, non-taxpayer dollars to support warfighters and their families. And for me to be able to do my small part, and that's not going to any hedge fund or any uh, private equity firm, that's going directly to support warfighters and their families. 15,000 of us are spouses or veterans who serve in the ranks of 35,000 employees, 15,000 are Connected to the military, and eighty percent of us, and that's uh, that's almost twenty five thousand. I'm sorry, almost twenty nine thousand uh, are uh, are connected with other connections, maybe uh, fa- other family members like aunts and uncles and that sort of thing. So this is a family business, and the family business is all about family, serving family, and uh, and making sure that we can do our small part to provide for the needs of service members and their families. So that's kind of in a nutshell, what we do. Uh, we, uh, we again look always look for opportunities to make it a better experience. Give you an example all all hero movies now are premiered hero movies that are involved. Uh, you know, any kind of a, a hero movie that, uh, that, uh, uplifts a warrior, uh, like uh, lone survivor, just to name that one, we premiere those movies in combat so oh, that, uh, you know, so that they get to see it first. And, uh, and then now we have all first run movies in, uh, in the continental United States. We used to get movies that had been out six weeks. And I, I said to all the studios at Disney Fox, uh Sony, you know, this is the way we're treating our returning heroes from Afghanistan and Iraq, you know, with, movies that have been out six weeks. I said, that doesn't make any sense. And fortunately, they, I, I guilted them into uh, supporting the things that need to happen to treat uh, warfighters and their families the way they need to be treated, which is it's not just as citizens, but as uh, really citizens that are willing to put up their their right hand and take the oath and serve the, the nation and the Constitution. And so that's 1% served. And so, for me to be able to do my small part to support the one percent who protect our freedoms day in and day out, uh, it's a blessing to come back and be part of that.
0: Well, again, thank you for you know hundreds of millions of dollars uh, given to help our uh, service men and women who are often in uh, very difficult circumstances. And at this time, I would like you to close by just giving your thoughts on. sort of this legacy of service that we have among the military Uh, people in the military many times it's almost a family kind of business you know their father went, their their uncle went in Uh, sometimes a recent immigrant to our country will see it as an opportunity to get jump started and to get a college education so i'd like you to talk about the legacy of service and how the vietnam veterans memorial was part of something bigger and that was uh, with president reagan uh, particularly to turn around the image and uh, welcome home the Vietnam vets.
1: Well, I think it's, uh, you know, coming from a family, my wife and I have uh, 300 years of service, including our grandfathers and parents and uh, the fathers and and uh, siblings. And so we're, we're, uh, we just, it's just, it's part of what, who we are. We're, you know, it is our, it's in our DNA to serve. And I think what I would say is is that, uh, and we've gotten better at this. We still have a long way to go. But military is a place where you can really learn to be a servant leader, serve others, serve a bigger, uh, bigger cause than your own, you know, than what you might uh, perceive is is uh, desirous, you know, pursuing your own interests, but being able to transcend your own interests for a bigger something bigger, much, and in your case, much bigger what you did to restore healing and a sense of peace in the nation, your project and having, uh, you know, senior people like Senator Warner and and uh, who had served in World War II as well. And, and, uh, and Jim Baker, who had been a Marine, Ronald Reagan. I'll mention Bud McFarland. Bud McFarland, who was my boss as we continued to, on the journey to tours in Vietnam, he completely understood what you had sacrificed as a soldier, the near death experience, you know, laying in a, a rice paddy, not knowing whether you would be alive in the next 20 minutes. Uh, you know, I, I i think people need to understand that it takes visions like you have uh, that build legacies, legacies of healing, legacies of peace, and securing a sense of wanting to serve because what you've created through your vision and and all the the positive uh, impacts it's had with over five million visitors, uh, just think about it gives all of us pause to think way beyond who we are and how we can, you know, pursue our own interests, but to think much broader what's in the best interests of the nation, best interests of society, and really for the world. And they're rare rare uh, examples of that. The Vietnam Memorial being uh, certainly one that uh, I was honored to be a part of in terms of the journey, but it truly did, uh, truly has, and well, past, present, and future, make a difference in the lives of almost all Americans and a sense of the need to uh, to serve.
0: Okay, hey, Tom, we want to thank you. Uh, thank you for your service, your ongoing service, and. Uh, we appreciate the way you came to the rescue of the Vietnam veterans Memorial in 1982. Thanks, and have a great day.
1: Thank
0: you, Jen. Thank you.